we're going to talk about power, glory, and humanity tonight. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Not fishers, they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Christ is calling to them to follow him, not just to get in line, follow him wherever he goes, although it was part of it, but to be like him, to do what he did, to become like Christ. That's what the call is for all of us, to follow him, to become like him. That was the call to Peter and Andrew there. Verse 20, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. If you get nothing else out of this talk, let that be your attitude. Whenever you hear something from the scriptures, from the gifts, uh, in your prayer, in your reading, uh, you're encouraged from the word of God, however it comes, whenever it comes, that's a good attitude to have. Straight away, we leave whatever it was that we were doing, uh, whatever you know, incorrect attitude or incorrect behaviour or not quite rightness that we sometimes have, put it to the side and, and go the way that we're being taught instead. That's, that's, it's a good example. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. We don't have the words that he spoke, but imagine it would be much the same as what he said to Peter and Andrew, follow me. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So he's four men here that he's called, uh, Peter, Andrew, <coughs> James, and John. Uh, we're going to follow um, three incidents through the Gospels where Peter and James and John in particular, who became the inner circle, I suppose, that, that Jesus um, had amongst all of his followers. Those three were the ones that he took into some of the most special, uh, amazing, um, distressing situations through his ministry. And we're going to look at three of those and see what they more than any of the other disciples, what they got access to, what they saw in Jesus Christ, the different things that, that they saw him do, the different things that he saw, they saw him say, uh, the different things that happened to him, that they were there on hand to witness if they chose to. So the first one will go to uh, Mark chapter 5. Remember, these guys are following Jesus. That's their call. They've responded well. They're following Jesus. And they followed him around for... Three and a half years or thereabouts, and they got to see a lot. These three in particular, Matthew 5, verse 35. Um, just before this, uh, Jesus has healed a woman um, who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She'd spent all her money on doctors and they'd done nothing for her. Uh, she got to her wit's end, and it's an amazing story of her faith being put into action, pressing through the crowd. Uh, to get to Jesus Christ and touch the hem of his garment. That's what's happened just before this. Just before that, Jesus was approached by the ruler of the synagogue, a man named Jairus. And he was asked by Jairus to come to Jairus's house and pray for Jairus's daughter, who was very sick, nigh unto death. And he got interrupted by the crowd and the woman who pressed through the crowd and so on. Wonderful story. Now that's happened, we pick it up again in verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? If Jesus hadn't been interrupted, you know, 
maybe that's what Jairus was thinking. You know, oh, he was he was we were so close. We were almost at the house, and then the crowd, and then the woman, and, and so on and so forth. Right? It seems pretty hopeless. It seems impossible. Once you're dead, you're dead. Aren't you? That's kind of the end. That's kind of the final curtain. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Again, great words for us to take on board. Be not afraid, only believe. Hopeless situation, terrible situation, tragic situation. The girl's sick, the girl's died. Jesus was so close, but they got waylaid, and then she died. Surely now there's nothing that can be done. Not when you follow Jesus. Not when Jesus is involved. He's the master of the impossible. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Only one thing. One thing. One thing is needful. Only believe. And he suffered. <coughs> excuse me. We're, we've tested negative from COVID, by the way, but you still get these coughs and so on. And he suffered no man to follow him. Save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So here they go with Jesus. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. Um, if you've, if you've only ever been to, um, Australian funerals, you may never have really seen something like this. But if you've been to the funeral of perhaps a different culture, uh, African or, or New Guinea or a place like that, and they, in, in PNG they have something called a house cry, and it's where people go to the house and they, and they cry, and boy do they cry. And it's, there's noise and there's wailing and there's weeping, and people, as soon as they get sort of to the driveway and start coming up the driveway to the house, they, they cry and they, and they really lift up their voice, and it can be quite overwhelming, uh, these things. It's, it's normal for, for if you're part of that culture, I suppose, but it's really quite confronting, and this is what is happening here. In fact, um, sometimes you could hire people to come and do a lot of the mourning and so on, professional mourners to come and help get the people in the mood, in the sad mood, so that they could really mourn and weep for whoever it was that passed away. So there's a real tumult happening here, uh, a lot of distress. Why? Because this is the end. That's it. There's no more for this girl. There's no more. She's dead. She's dead. And when he was coming, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, this disturbance, this commotion? Why is there so much noise? Why is there so much weeping? Why is there so much tumult and clamour? <clears throat> Why make ye this ado and weep? Had Jesus never heard that people die? Had Jesus never heard that when people die, people, other people get sad? Had he never heard? Jesus always saw it differently. He sees the possibility. He sees the opportunity. The damsel is not dead but sleeps. <clears throat> and they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he threw them out. He takes the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, which was Peter, James and John, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talekapumi, which is, being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. <laughs> I like the Bible's understatement. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Here, 
Peter and James and John get to see firsthand from this far away Jesus' power. Power. Power to raise one from the dead. It doesn't get more powerful than that. In the human situation, in the human circumstance, in the mortality that everybody encounters as they come into this world and move through it, it doesn't get more powerful a situation than to see one risen from the dead. That's power. We like this, don't we? We like this. We like stories like this. We love the testimonies that we hear, the healings, the miracles, the signs, the wonders. Sometimes we, sometimes we're not even amazed. We're just happy because that's what the Lord does. You know, He He is powerful. We like that. We can appreciate that. The disciples, maybe they were getting used to it by then. I don't know, but they they would have been quite happy with that. Quite amazed, no doubt. Someone's risen from the dead. Fantastic. Jesus is powerful. And I think when we're in the Lord, you know, uh, particularly those of us that grew up in the Lord, you, you, you can you can come to grips with that fact. Jesus has power. It's not something that's hard to believe, is it? Sometimes hard to believe that it could apply to us. Uh, but, you know, it's not hard generally to sort of go, yes, he is powerful. We know that, we love that, we appreciate that. Something we can grasp right off the bat, I think. In fact, for a lot of us, it might be what brought us to the Lord or one of the things that got us over the line in the first place was the power of a sign, a wonder, a miracle, even one risen from the dead. We like that. We can get that. We can appreciate that. You grow up in the Lord in particular, sort of the Lord is this is this person who can do anything. Nothing's impossible. Only believe. It's usually the challenge of Only believe. But as far as God is powerful, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God Himself in human form is powerful, we get that. Power. Luke nine. Let's look at another situation these men were in. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. And it came to pass, about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. I think in Matthew it says, his face shone as the sun. And his raiment was white and blistering. You can look that word up for yourself later on, but it's almost like it was sort of flashing with little lightnings or, or something. Some of the other gospel accounts say it became white, so it, so it couldn't be any whiter. White as the light. White as if, you know, like no soap on earth could make it white. Even nappy sand. Right? It's not, it's not going to happen. White and glistering. Kind of. You're getting a bit of a picture? It's hard, but hopefully we're, we're sort of getting a little bit of a picture. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Wow. <laughs> As if the change in Jesus wasn't amazing enough. Now here's Elijah and Moses, the two pillars, the law and the prophets, talking with the one that would fulfill them all, the one who was the epitome of the lot and would do, do away with it, accomplish it, finish it, and bring in the New Testament of grace and mercy talking with him about what he would do. Peter and James and John, verse 32. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. <laughs> heavy with sleep. This is happening around them. You know, hopefully you've got a little bit of a picture in your mind or can somehow imagine, 
you know, a little bit of what this might have looked like or felt like or, or, or seemed like or, or whatever, and they're asleep. Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory. Well, that's good. Glad they managed to get up to this one. When they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, that is, Moses and Elijah, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. He didn't know what to say. That never stopped Peter from saying something anyway, but here he is doing what he did best. Verse 34, While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. So they're up on this mountain, and the cloud's passing over the mountain now, and they're actually in in the clouds, not just overhead. Seems like they're, they're in it. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. He may as well have said, Shut up, Peter. <laughs> Stop talking. This is my beloved son. Hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. The other gospel writers say that Jesus told them, Don't tell anyone. Would have been half of Peter, James, and John. I bet they somehow still managed to start a whole heap of arguments with the others about who was going to be greatest. And if only they could just play this card. You know why I'm greatest? Because I was standing closest to Jesus when this happened. I was standing closest to Moses, and I like, oh, you were asleep. You know, it would have been all the all the arguments and so on. So this is another thing that James and John and Peter were there for. What are they seeing? They're seeing Jesus' glory. Jesus' glory. And they kind of slept on it a bit. When you think of Jesus' glory, or the glory of heaven, or the, um, the kingdom of heaven, the ages to come, the riches of his glory and his grace, the inheritance that awaits for us, the place reserved for us in heaven, the new Jerusalem with its description there in Revelation 21 and 22, uh, the ages that are to come, their streets of gold and that tree that somehow grows on both sides of the river and that leaves it for the healing of the nations and the fullness of all of that and on Christ himself, the length, the breadth, the height, the depth, all of that stuff just gets a bit much, doesn't it? It's hard to take in. It's hard to appreciate. We like it. We like it. Streets of gold sounds good. Translucent gold. Pearly gates. Fantastic. We like it all. I love the glory. That's great. It's kind of hard to to relate to. It sounds good. But perhaps we, in our walk in the Lord, kind of sleep on this one a little bit. It's, it's difficult. It's something that's revealed only really by the Spirit, not by our natural eyes, not by our natural brain. We can't understand it in the natural. Jesus' glory. Jesus' power. Jesus' glory. I'm going to look at one more. Matthew 26. Verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. That's James and John again. And began to be sorrowful. That means distressed and grieved. He began to be sorrowful and very heavy, distressed, troubled. Really anguished. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. 
not sure they heard Jesus sort of express how he felt necessarily, you know, at times, or certainly not that we read that much about in the Gospels, but here's Jesus actually almost confiding in these three about how he, how he feels right at this moment. Well, we know, we know what we'll read, we'll read on. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Just stay with me, guys, you three. You've been through a lot. I'm glad you're following me. And now I'm feeling like this and I want you to stay with me. Just stay. I'm going to pray. Just watch. Be awake, that means. Verse 39. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. That's good advice, folks. It's really, really good advice. Find yourself always giving in. Find yourself always being overcome. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Be awake, be vigilant, be diligent. Pray. The Spirit indeed is willing. It sure is. We really want to do the right thing. The Holy Spirit is soul. It really wants us to do the right thing. It's ready to go. It's always ready for the task. But the flesh is weak. Jesus has um, prescribed an antidote to the weakness of the flesh right here. Watch and pray. Verse 42, he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. Behold, here's a hand that betray me. Here, here, we're not seeing power. We're not seeing glory. We're seeing humanity. We're seeing Jesus as a man, almost being crushed by the gravity and the sorrow and anguish of his situation and what he's about to go through. We're also seeing strength to hold up through the Spirit, through the angels that ministered to him, through the Lord God, provided him comfort and strength and guidance to go on with the task. But we see, I mean, Luke uh, talks about him sweating blood. Sweating blood. He cried. He sweat blood. He felt pain. He felt forsaken. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Those are words from Christ's mouth. He died. It doesn't get much more human than to die. And Peter and James and John, if they could be bothered to open their eyes, therefore, and they see Jesus, maybe through their eyelids, as the human that he was. What about us? 
I can only speak for myself really, but maybe growing up in the fellowship, this is the one that I've missed the most as I've walked in the Lord. And the one that I've come to appreciate more as I've gotten older and, um, and older in the Lord is that Christ was a man. Christ was a human. Christ was, in many respects, like me. He was tempted by doubts. He was tempted by anger. He was tempted by lust. He was tempted by pride. He was tempted by all of the things that each and every one of us faces, whether it be through circumstances that are upon us, no doing of our own, sickness that happens, the relationships that sometimes go bad, uh, the work or university or school difficulties that that just uh, put us under pressure. Whatever it is, however it is, wherever it comes from, sometimes it's our own silly doing as well. We feel doubt. We feel fear. We feel the temptation to engage in the wrong thing, to say the wrong thing, to think the wrong thing, to turn away from the Lord, to get angry at the Lord about why he did this and why he didn't do that and when's he going to help and all of that. Christ felt it all. Christ was tempted by it all. And it's epitomized here. Gethsemane, the crushing place. The place where the olive oil is pressed out, hard out of the olive. Christ was under that pressure. Good stuff came out. And I think this is the one. We've got power, we've got glory. Fantastic. Love the power. The glory is great, hard to understand, but great. The human, the human, that's the one to relate to. You know, Christ is just like you. Christ is just like you. And yet he overcame it all. That's the one to relate to. That's the one to really connect into. That's the one to really appreciate. That's the one to really get to know. That's the one to really understand more. That's the one to really explore more. Christ the man. Because that's the one that, when we think about it, we go, oh wow, he was a man and he overcame it all through the power of the Spirit. If he could do it, I could too. He wasn't superman. He didn't have superhuman strength, superhuman abilities or anything like that. He had Spirit, he had God his Father, and he had a, a man's body and mind. And he overcame sin and death so that we could as well. Christ the human, that's triumph. Isn't that that power? Isn't that glory? Let's go to Hebrews 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Skip down to 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, you and me, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, 
that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. He was in all points tempted, just as we are. He was a human, just like you and me, and yet he overcame it all. Because he looked at God and drew upon the strength of the Spirit. I've been told I need to wrap it up, so I want to leave you with this. You've got the same thing that Jesus Christ has, the Holy Spirit. You can be changed from glory to glory into the very image of Christ himself, towards the power, (laughs) towards the glory, absolutely. It's yours, and it's going to be yours in its fullness. Get to know Jesus Christ, the man. Get to know him. Study him, read him, look at him, appreciate him, pray him in. Get to know him because he's the one who overcame. He's just like you and he overcame. That means that you can too. All the people.